Welcome to the Kesset Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us and hope you enjoyed today's sermon. If you'd like to find out more about Kesset, you can head to kessetchurch.com or find us on Facebook. Hey, good morning. How's everyone? I am so excited that you're here. If you're brand new, my name's Danny. I am one of the pastors here at Kesset, and I'm going to be sharing with you We're launching uh, a new series called Untether. I'm going to share with you about that in just a moment. But I want to remind everyone that we are not here for services next week. And I've had a few folks that are maybe newer to Kesed that have kind of wondered why we every once in a while have to switch to a different location. And that's because the building that we're remodeling downtown uh, is taking a little longer than we thought. And so originally they said it would take uh, six to eight months. So we didn't actually uh, book Clark for much of the last part of this year. And so other people love Sundays too. So they booked Sundays. And then when we found out we weren't going to be able to make the building, we came back and booked and they were like, sorry, there's two Sundays that are already booked. So we're going to go over to our Seventh-day Adventist friends. We're going to have church with them. And what's really neat about that is uh, next week will be a pretty normal service. But at the end of this series, which is the other time, that will be over there, so about two months from now. Because they have a baptismal, we're going to end this entire series uh, with a baptism. And so really, really special. We're excited about it. And, uh, and then we'll be back here, and then we booked Clark through 2025. So there'll be no more moving. Good to go. We're, we'll, however long it takes, Lord. We'll, however long it takes. Um, this series Untethered, this is, this is a really exciting series, but this is a little bit of a provocative series too. So I'm glad you're here because today is, today is the launch and today is a unique uh, presentation because it doesn't really resolve. Most messages that you give, kind of like music, they, they have different parts and pieces and then they resolve, right? You hear that closing note and you know like, okay, I'm going to take that home. Today is different. Today is a big, giant tearing open. Today is a big what if. Today is will you join with me and and ponder together some of these thoughts? And I'm going to explain that in more detail. But when you leave today, I've got feedback from nine o'clock that you don't leave feeling like, got it. You leave feeling like, I don't think I got it. And and that's supposed to happen. I guess I'm I'm front loading. That's supposed to happen. So um, so I want to do is I want to pray for us. I'm going to ask that the Holy Spirit is the one that uh, just really takes this message and, and drives it where it's supposed to be in our hearts. And, uh, and I'm, I'm excited about what he's going to do with you and with me. And um, I think it's going to be a really neat time. So let's just prepare right now for that. Lord, uh, we know there's so many people in this room from so many different backgrounds. People who uh, have grown up in church just like this one. People who have grown up in church just nothing like this one. People who have never gone to church. People who... Uh, don't even believe in God, people who are just seeking or asking questions or people who are actively against all this, and they're just here because a friend invited them. Lord, we know in a room like this, though, it's the exact scenario that you promised to work in, one that's impossible to communicate with clearly for every individual. This, God, is how you do what you do. And so I'm just going to ask, Lord, that uh, any distractions that walked into this room, anything that that might keep our minds from being able to put our, to our hands spiritually around some of these topics would be removed. That we would be able to engage God on a different level for the next half hour as we learn from you, as we read your word, and as we engage in your Holy Spirit. For you are a living God, and you meet with us right here, and we expectantly, Lord, request 
that you meet our needs, you meet our questions, and that you're willing, God, to sit with us now. We thank you. We lift this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, the series name came from a lunch I had. I do a lot of these. Uh, do coffees, do meetings in offices, different things with different people. And uh, I met with a woman that goes to our church. She uh, was here last service. And she sat with me and she started asking all these big questions about God, about church, about the way it works, about the way the Bible connects to today, about the way the church connects to the Bible and to today, the way she's supposed to connect to the church and to the Bible today. And she all of a sudden just stopped and she said, Danny, I need you to know that recently I've really felt in my soul and she kind of paused and she said, I don't know a better word to use than an, un an untethering. And I said, what does that mean? She goes, well, I feel like I'm just sort of floating back, looking at this, this thing, this, my, my church life, my, my faith, uh, our world, our culture. And I'm sort of floating back and looking at it. And I'm, I'm all of a sudden free to ask all kinds of questions I've never been able to ask before. And so I, I engaged with her, and she taught me some stuff, and I shared some things, and, and I left there, and I started talking with some friends about this conversation, and I started realizing how many other, other friends of mine, people in ministry, were dealing with the same issue, even in their own lives. And so I went to Byron, the, the man that I meet with weekly, and I said, Byron, I'm dealing with this stuff. And he said, Danny, this is, this is your untethering. This is good. And I said, well, if it's good, we should do it as a church. And he said, whoa. And, and he said, slow down, slow down. People aren't ready for that. And I said, you know, Byron, I'll be honest. I, I think there's a reason God has allowed our building to stall out. I think there's a reason that we're supposed to be where we are right now. And I, I think I'm supposed to do this. And he goes, well, okay, let's talk it out. And so we did. And then I started talking with other people and other people and other people. And, and all of a sudden, we ended up with a series. And I was like, this is awesome. I don't think I'm going to do it. This is, as one guy said at the end of last service, that was scary. That's a quote. That was scary. I didn't make that up. That's what he said. That was scary. And I, I agreed that it was because it is. Untethering from anything is scary. When you tether, that's your safety line. This image that you see of the astronaut, this is actually a real image. And it comes... Uh, from a man by the name of Bruce McCandless. You may have seen that Bruce McCandless about a year and a half ago passed away, and you hear about astronauts when they pass away, but you don't hear as much uh, about, about astronauts as you did about Bruce, because Bruce did something very unique. On February 7th, 1984, astronaut Bruce McCandless made history performing the first spacewalk with no lifelines tethering him to the space shuttle Challenger. He used the man... Uh, manned maneuvering unit, also known as an MMU, and him along with another astronaut, Bob Stewart, completed separate untethered spacewalks during the mission, both venturing more than 300 feet from the space shuttle, with McCandless being the one who got farthest away, and that was 320 feet. This particular uh, spacewalk resulted in this image that you see right here before you. It's the first man to ever unhook from what man had made. He uh, went on to say they weren't sure it was going to work. They just didn't know. I mean, he, he thought I could end up have just floating out into space and to my death. He untethered from everything. And when they asked him for a quote, his exact words were, that may have been one small step for Neil, but that was a heck of a big leap for me. 
<laughs> this, this image, the one that you see on the back screen, this image, uh, I couldn't think of a better example of the feeling that I have been having in my own spiritual untethering. It's, it's as if I've, I've been given this, this, this sense that, that God is still very much with me. I'm still very much alive and breathing, but I'm really starting to question and, and ask questions that I've never really felt free to ask before, and that's what we're going to talk about today. In so many ways, Christianity can feel like a huge exclusive club. This is a quote that I heard from a visitor. It feels like a bunch of people that get together and do the same thing in the same way, and it got passed down from their parents and their parents before them, and it kind of it kind of got moved around according to culture and what worked and what didn't work. Special people saying special words, singing special songs. Eventually, lines get drawn between church members vying for a position and outsiders trying to figure out if they're even wanted or belong. Now, these are harsh words that you normally would never hear from a pulpit because pastors specifically would like you to think that most everything within their church is hunky-dory. I don't really have any problems in my life. That's why I'm here to help you. <laughs> I'm just saying what people think, all right? When I introduced uh, emotional health along with our team to this church about two years ago, uh, I had already been in therapy uh, for about a year and a half by that point, and that was a scary thing. It was a scary thing for our elders and for me because to stand on stage and tell people that you need help and that you need you need more information and you need to develop and you want your marriage to be better and you want to be a better dad. These things are scary for people in the audience that, that, that are coming to find the same things and then you're admitting on stage you don't have it all. Our church grew more in the last two and a half years since we did that uh, than ever before. And the best part about it is it grew with people seeking that same health. Not people seeking a show or people seeking to be entertained or a certain quality of presentation, but people truly who said, I feel like there's something more, and I, I want to be in a community full of people who also feel the same way. This is what we're supposed to be building as a church. When it comes to faith, I sit with a lot of people that tell me they don't feel like they can ask hard questions or express doubts about particular issues. They feel like the church isn't safe. You do what I said because the Bible tells me how to tell you what to do. This is exactly what the Bible means, and this is exactly what you should do. And you're not allowed to say, but what does that mean for in this situation or this situation? Or, or, hey, pastor, are you sure you thought about that right? Are you sure the person who taught you thought about that right? We don't allow a lot of space for the one we're entering into right now because it's scary. We want to know. We want to feel good about it. The church is supposed to function in a very specific way. One of my favorite quotes is from, from Byron when I shared I was going to do this. And he said, Danny, this community you're wanting to build, this is, this is different. He said, Christianity is supposed to be a community where people can wander out loud. A place where people don't have to park their injuries outside and the questions they have around them. That's an epic description of church. Because right now, 
many of you have a whole bunch of injuries parked outside that you didn't bring in because, well, you're at church. Whole bunch of opinions, whole bunch of thoughts, whole bunch of concerns. You have issues with this or with that, and some of it's with the Bible, and some of it's with this whole Western church thing, period, and some of it is with what you grew up versus with what this appears to be versus the fruit you see in those people whose lives you thought were, were healthy, and now all of a sudden you're just sort of spinning and you're just slamming against the, the tension of your tethers. And you want to turn around and ask questions, but where are you supposed to do that? This is supposed to be that place. The church is supposed to operate like that, so why doesn't it? Jesus prays in John 17, 21. He prays for us that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The desire for Jesus to have unity with us is a statement to the world that what we're doing is real, because no one in the world has the ability to have full unity. So when we as a church break off into all these different segments and all these different groups and don't give ourselves freedom to ask questions about what's good and what's not, what's real and what's false, then we end up not looking anything like the church Jesus prayed for us to be, living in unity. We instead look like the world, compartmentalized, branded. I'm with this group. This is what we do. Who are you with? Well, I'm with this group. When was your group founded? Once Someone once asked me. I don't know. When Jesus came, I don't know. What are you looking for? And they're like, our group was founded 1,300 years ago. And I was like, that's awesome. What does that mean for me now? You're like, you're not allowed to ask those questions. Because it was already discovered a long time ago that when people ask questions, people on stage and up front have to answer those questions. And when they can't, they become vulnerable. They become human. This is a scary place to lead from. I know. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> Throughout much of churchdom, people have been told not just what to believe, but how to actually think. What they can or can't do, what is right or wrong, what is spiritually acceptable or unacceptable. And many of these things are important and good. 2 Corinthians 4.15 says, all of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more of the glory. This is the goal of preaching from this book and from this stage to the hearts of people just like you. That God would get glory and that his essence, his spirit, would affect us in a beautiful way, causing conviction, causing restoration, causing healing. It's supposed to work. In this way, the church people... Church teaches people how to view and interact with the world and everything around them. And again, so much of this is wonderful, beautiful, and important. Lessons of the truest light shining out into the greatest darkness. And I am so proud to be a part of it. I love what I get to do. I love the opportunity that I've had to sit with people and, and do the best I can to, to wrestle with these difficult and muddy places in their hearts. It's how God's designed me. But what I've learned more and more is it's also how God has designed almost all these people that I sit with who need to wrestle with someone else through the muddy places of their souls. This is how the church is supposed to operate. Teaching, leading, guiding, loving, healing, restoring, 
But if I'm really honest, not all of it has operated that way. Some of it has been really, really messed up. In this sense, the church and some of its teachings have left great harm and hatred in its wake. They've done damage with this. They've actually prayed destruction into people's lives. Yeah. Funny thing is, in this service and the last one, I don't think too many folks are surprised to hear me say this. Because I think a lot of the people that this has happened to are here. You didn't measure up. You weren't good enough. You made that mistake a few years ago. And because of it, you're always going to be less than everybody else who's better at keeping it together than you are. I have five verses that could back up that statement if you'd like me to. Five verses that say that we should cross the road away from people that look like this, avoid people that look like that, don't include these people in our lives. And these verses aren't wrong. They're just not right. Because these verses are supposed to be experienced. These verses are supposed to be utilized. There's tons of times when Jesus himself crosses the very road. That earlier prophet said, don't cross. There's tons of times where all these beautiful experiences in Scripture are teaching us about who we are and what we're supposed to be. And when we take this Bible and we take this church system and we pile it on top of people and we show them just how crushed we can make them and how much better we are, boy, does it just dissolve when people that think they're better than everyone else suddenly get exposed to be the same, if not worse, than everyone else. This Bible is a beautiful, beautiful foundation for how we're supposed to believe. But we have used it not as a sword to divide right or wrong. We have used it as a sword to cut people's heads off and protect ourselves and our system. A lot of you know it. Some of you can't believe it's being said right now. And that's okay too. To think through what it means to untether, to think through what it means to really connect with the Holy Spirit is to accept that reality. The church is beautiful and the church is broken. This is just truth. We know it. What we don't know is what we're supposed to do about it. What do we do about this? You know what most people do? Keep going to church and shut their mouths. Try to find a pastor that they can invite a friend to. Try to find a church that he leads that they can connect with. Pit him against other pastors or other churches. And stay till it gets just comfortable enough that we no longer need it and then we bounce to another church. I'm all for that, by the way. I think there's a lot of great churches in town. I think it's great. I just don't think it's very spiritually filling. I think if you go to a church where everything that you hear you agree with, you're probably at the wrong church. Because churches are filled with people, and people have different thoughts, and they're led by different pastors, and even pastoring seasonal. Someone met with me, I don't know, a month ago, said, hey, we're leaving your church. I hope that's okay. And I said, you know it's okay. I talk about it all the time. And they said, well, I know, but you've got this whole seasonal thing. And, it, I, and I said, yeah, church is seasonal. You go to church for the season the Holy Spirit has driven you there, and church is even seasonal for me. I'm not guaranteed to be here till I die. Like, I didn't sign a contract like in Little Mermaid, right? My voice still exists. Like, I... I, I could go tomorrow. God could move me somewhere else. I'm here because God's called me to be here, and I'm going to be with the people God has called me to be with. So 
So I want to know what we're supposed to do about it. Here's what I know. I know that people want to know what's true. They want to know what's false. They want to know what is right and wrong, good and evil, etc. Answers to questions like these have been sought since the beginning. So it makes sense that people feeling called by God would accept most of what was being taught at his house of worship, even if some of the holy is tangled up with some of the hazardous. And I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about all church led by all fallen people. To clarify something, this series is not going to be about what the church has taught right and wrong. That's not what the series is about, but more about how to begin the process of untangling yourself from false thinking and warped worldviews many of which have been taught to you by the culture you grew up in, especially if you grew up in a deeply spiritually familial culture that passes down tradition as if tradition is gospel. Tradition is not gospel. The Bible and what it teaches is gospel, and it has all kinds of tradition-breaking things about it. Jesus came and broke all kinds of stuff. I said earlier, he walked across the street. His disciples ate food on the Sabbath. The Bible's super clear about that, folks. Jesus was literally the rabbi who did everything wrong. He's the worst one you can pick. He's like, I'm going to do that. We can't do that. I know. I'm going to do that. We're not supposed to. Jesus, I don't know. Have you not seen what the prophet Isaiah said? Yeah, I know. I told it to him. So anyways, have a great. <laughs> it's, it's profound and it's beautiful. But when we take that part without that part, This is what I said earlier. It's not right. It's not wrong. It's just missed. We miss it. And so we use our version of it to press away from other people so we don't have to be vulnerable and exposed. The phrase we're using for this process is to be untethered. To unlock from the ship that got you to where you are to float away even for just a few inches and look at everything that brought you to here. No hoses, no hooks, no straps. Not saying you're not going to retether. The goal of untethering isn't to stay untethered. The goal of untethering is to retether appropriately. But you got to step away a little bit. You got to look at the vessel. You got to experience it. Float a bit, little bit out there. Someone walked in the door and they said, I saw that image on Facebook. It gave me anxiety. I can't believe I got to stare at it the whole entire Sunday morning. <laughs> We have a lot of opinionated people in our church. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) For us to begin untethering, there's some important things I want to give you to think on this week. I'm going to post these. Um, So they'll also be on our uh, church app and under our sermon notes link. But these are the three things that you need to think about this week if you want to join this process. Because that's what today is about. about It's an invitation. The first one is this. First, you have to awaken to the reality that we are all tethered in one area or another. We're all tethered. If you've sat in this sermon for the last 15 minutes thinking, I'm not tethered to anything, then you're, already, you're so tethered up that even your mind is tethered. <laughs> you're tethered to stuff. I got a verse for you in just a second. This is the first step because I have found it to be the most difficult for people to accept. Let me just give you this tiny illustration. Did you know there are over 33,000 distinct Christian denominations in 238 countries, all of which claim to have it right? Someone did the math for me last service, and it's 0.00003% chance that you got it right. Now, you will say, well, hold on, Pastor Danny. This church is non-denominational. Come on, bro. That is a denomination. All right? That's a denomination. You're Baptist. 
right? You're this, you're this, you're non-denominational. It's, it's all a denomination. It's ways of thinking and packaged ways of being. And the biggest thing we normally have a hard time leaving is not Jesus or the gospel. It's moving from one uh, packaged way of thinking to another packaged way of thinking. We're not really changing churches. We're changing processes. <laughs> According to the Bible, it's all one church. But for you to sit in your chair right now and think that this church or the church you grew up in or even your own personal church, maybe you're one of those people, I can do church by myself in the mountain and look at an eagle and all that stuff. I think that's great. I think that's great. <laughs> Hold on, a bunch of eagle people. Like, he just offended my eagle church. <laughs> what kind of place is this? Listen, unhook the tether from that feathered friend. All right? Because that's your denomination. All right? We we don't all have it right because we're all doing the best we can to read in this book and fill our lives with the Holy Spirit's presence to experience the outworking of that in our stories. That's what church is. But for you to think that everything we teach here, everything that, that, that we say, everything that we do is like, that's the, that's the lightning bolt of God striking through Danny's mouth. That is just not true. I mean, you don't even know half the times that, that I, I feel like I, I am in a meeting with someone. I got to call them afterwards and go, you know that five minutes in the middle? Yeah, that, that, that was really me. That was my, I was triggered by this or triggered by that or I experienced this or I experienced that. Because there's humanity inside our church. It's what makes it beautiful. It's what makes it amazing when it goes incredible because you know God gets all the credit because there's no way a fool like me can lead all this. It's amazing when he does what he does. So the first thing is you have to awaken to the reality that we are all tethered to something. Here, look at this quote. The problem is many of the people in need of saving are in churches. And at least part of what they need saving from is the idea that God sees the world the same way they do. God does not see the world how you do. I don't know if you've ever been to another country where they do church. I've been to multiple. I spent time with the underground church in China. I've experienced church in Korea. Uh, I, I've, I've done all kinds of church in New Zealand, Australia, all these things. People don't do church the same. And therefore, it's taught me that there is not just one single way, one single package in order that we have to live in in order to be blessed by God. Romans 7, 21 through 24 is a guy who finally realized this. He says, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members, his hands, his feet, another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. And then he just ends with this just flabbergasted statement. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? This is in the Bible. And if you hold the Bible in such a way that, that, that it should have impact on your life, then this should impact you. For it's showing you that no matter how hard you try without the Holy Spirit, your trying isn't hard enough. All of this is to say, and I hope I've prefaced this statement as well as I could, but for us to act as if the local church's teachings are completely free from the effects of sin is ludicrous. Question everything. Question everybody. Question what I'm asking you to question and question the guy asking it. This leads to the second point. 
Second thing you need to do, be aware that your personal untethering should never be done by anyone else but you and the Holy Spirit. Nobody gets to stand up front and tell you what it is in your life you need to untether. It's only you and the Holy Spirit. John 14, 25 and 26, Jesus himself says, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit from the Father, will send in my name. He will teach you, look what it says, all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The Holy Spirit can convict you, can help help uh, filter my words, what I'm saying. And half of you in this room right now, you hopefully are doing that. The other half, you don't know how to engage that. And I would take the sermon, I would re-listen to it. I would take these three points. I would go before God, spend five minutes a day and say, God, is what Danny presented from you, is this real? Is this true? Don't take my word on it. Don't take my passion for it. Don't take how articulate I am or how well prepared. Study it. Look at it, question it. But here's what I know. The church is beautiful and the church is broken and I think you know it. So I'm asking you to do the thing I said first, awaken to the reality that we're all tethered, meaning you're part of the problem and so am I. And you're part of the solution and so am I. Second, be aware that your personal untethering should never be done by anyone but you and the Holy Spirit, period. And this will look different. For each individual, as not all people are tethered to the same things in the same way. Different experiences create different bindings and so on. It's not going to look the same for everybody out here. It's not going to look the same for me, but it's true. I believe it. That's why I'm preaching it. Lastly, accept that the process will be experienced best with a childlike posture. Matthew 18, 2, 3 says, And calling to him a child, this is Jesus speaking, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Do you know why children are used as a spiritual posturing agent, a way in which to engage God? Because children are full of wonder and willingness without holding anything back. They're willing to go, this is amazing. I don't like that. It's the most annoying feature of them. You go to Disneyland and they're like, this is awesome. It's way too hot here. I'm like, do you know how much these tickets are? Right? It's like, I'm so excited to buy this princess dress. I can't believe this happened and that. I mean, whatever it is, this is what children do. You know who it reminds me of? It's a posture that you'll see a little bit in that show on The Office with that character, Dwight. You know that time when he's talking with somebody and he's interested, but he doesn't know what to say, and then he uses this phrase? I don't believe you. Continue. <laughs> this is actually the name of my message today. Because I think many of you, this will be the posture you need to take in order to engage in this series. You know what, Danny? I don't believe you. Continue. This is the posture you have to take if you want to stop living in the rut that you're in, if you want your spiritual life to be alive, if you want to wrestle with the book and with the spirit and with God, and it will be unbelievable what he frees you from, but it will be scary. And it might be a little muddy, but I'll tell you what, next Sunday you'll be able to bring your, your hurts outside into Seventh-day Adventist into that service. The week after, you'll be able to bring your hurts into this service. You'll be able to be fully present with who you are, all the things you wrestle with, all the things that you doubt. And you will be able to feel what it's like to be held only by God, not your culture, 
not your systematic way of thinking, not your pre-designed worldview, just him floating in just what he created, staring back at this life that you've helped build that he wants to transform, as scripture says, into something amazing. But it won't feel safe. And for that, I apologize. I wanted to figure out a way to do it with you that, that felt safe, that felt steady, that made me feel really responsible and enlightened. I think it would have been great for my reputation. <laughs> I would have cracked the code. And then I realized that to be safe isn't maybe to be emotionally healthy. To be enlightened isn't to give all credit and glory to God who is the source of all this knowledge and information. If I don't step off the edge with you, if I don't appear nervous up here as I've been told both services, man, you're a little nervous, more nervous than normal. Yeah. That's true. What do you want me to do? Not be true to how I'm feeling? I'm nervous. I really like what's going on here at Kesed. I told somebody before I walked on stage, well, let's go blow the church up, right? I, was, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to be received. All I know, all I know is God has brought us here in this room. He's blessed us with a building downtown, and we are creating something special that I hope, through the power of the gospel, touches and transforms people we never thought would enter these doors because we were willing to wrestle with our doubts, our fears. We were willing to see our God as other people see him. And when someone says, I don't know what I, if I believe in your God because of this, you can go, hey, I wrestled with that too. That makes sense to me. I'm still wrestling with this about God. I still wonder about this. This is confusing. What if we could talk like that with people? Be in relationship with them and watch the Holy Spirit show us both the answers we're looking for. This, this is the wonder of our God. This is what he does. The Bible's full of those miracles and I stand firmly on it. And that's what untethering a kessid is going to look like. I want to encourage you, as I said, to look at those three points. I'll make a post later, uh, probably this week. It's also on the app. Those three points, just consider those. And I also want to give you about five minutes just to reflect right now on what's been taught. It's important sometimes when you hear lots of information to give yourself some time to just, to just sort of absorb it and to be in it. And so I'm going to ask all your heads to bow. We're just going to take a moment. God, today, uh, today we stepped into a place I've never been before. We asked questions. We challenged. We wrestled. Today, God, we sort of... Uh, allowed ourselves to recognize the tethering in our lives, to recognize that only through you, Holy Spirit, can it be adjusted or amended. And that ultimately, God, like a child, we're allowed to bring our hurts and our fears to you. And you love us just as we are, where we are. For this, you are incredible. We're so thankful that you allowed us be in this place and to hear from you now. May this week be one full of musings and ponderings. May we journal or sit still. May we read or sing or drive or sit in our backyards and think about all these things, Lord, and just ask for your presence to bring clarity to who we are and what it is you want us to do. We take these next few moments now, God, to sing sit under the Spirit and to receive from you now. In Jesus' name.